0: Hello and welcome to the Karen Instinct Podcast. It's beautiful April and there's nowhere I'd rather be than in my garden. And we'd like to talk today about our children's relationship with nature, be it a garden or the wilderness, the connection and the disconnect, and what fosters the connection and where the disconnect can come from and how Uh, We today can navigate the context we are all in when nature that is meant to be powerful, nurturing, all-forgiving and indestructible, uh, suddenly feels fragile and we are fragile with it. We realize it's also about um, our own lack of resilience. Uh, We have a very special guest today, someone I've admired uh, for a while. Uh, Becky Searle is an ecologist-turned-gardener with a passion for helping others to grow food and work with nature in their gardens. Becky has two children and two stepchildren. Sounds like uh, unofficial but very real, right? Right. (laughs) Um, And she loves sharing her love of gardening with them. Becky is a regular writer for Kitchen Garden magazine and writes for a number of online magazines and blogs about gardening. She also has her own podcast, The Seed Pod, and travels around the country giving talks on gardening with nature. And you might know Becky as So Much More, so S O O O, as in sowing seeds, on Instagram and Facebook. Hi. Hi.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: <laughs> Did you garden? I remember you mentioned in one of your posts that you gardened um as a child too or as a teenager. And I was I'm so curious because it's not some it's not a typical teenage thing and at the same time, goodness, the benefits that teenagers could find in gardening and the solace. I didn't really find gardening until I was in my
1: very I would say probably early 20s rather than teens, but I was brought up around gardens. Um, It was always a really big part of my life. My garden that I grew up in was massive, which was great, so um, we had a nice big pond that my brother and I used to swim in. we had a vegetable patch that my parents probably neglected quite a lot um and it was just great fun so i can remember sort of getting out there from a very very young age my parents always being really enthusiastic about being outside so it was less about gardening just and more outside. about just being outside climbing the trees just being in that environment really which probably really helped me later to get into gardening myself because I wasn't associating that going outside into the garden with like hard (laughs) labour I was associating it with like sitting in trees and watching the world go by and swimming in the pond and things like that so um it was it was a nice positive association and then my grandparents had this amazing vegetable patch um they lived in a sort of nineteen fifties terrace house with this really long garden and at the end of the garden it was divided in two and at the end of the garden was the vegetable patch and they had this incredible um fruit trees down there and loads and loads of fruit bushes and things like that and it was just like a free lunch. Um so whilst I, I don't think I did anything to contribute towards the actual garden, I definitely contributed towards eating the stuff from the garden Um, so again it was a really really positive thing um a a positive um connection that i made in a a young age of going outside and getting these amazing fruits um and i when i started at university i even got my mum to post me some of the apples from grandad's apple tree (laughs) because they were a a league of their own these apples they were amazing so um probably most expensive apples ever having posted them halfway <laughs> across the country <laughs> but, but yeah it was just lots and lots of really really nice positive things in my childhood about going outside and getting into the garden but never actually being made to do any of the work.
0: Did you always stay connected to the garden as well as you've as you've grown up as well or did you kind of like come away from it and go back or?
1: Well I kind of I, I guess like a lot of People, you have gardens of varying degrees when you kind of leave home and things like that. So, um, when I went to university, I was studying ecology, so I was outside all the time. But I wasn't gardening yeah. because I was in an apartment. Um, but i i spent more or less all of my time outside in the university gardens um and then when i got my own garden we did a lot of gardening my housemates and i just um mainly just going out there and bramble bashing from all the other uh, university students that had been neglecting the houses for years prior to us and then um when i finished university i got a job working for norfolk county council And my job, it was like the best job ever because it was almost zero responsibility. But um, (laughs) the the job was to go out and look at footpaths. And if the footpath was open, great. if it wasn't, or if there was something obstructing it, I'd either have to... Cut down a tree, or cut back a branch, or mow some grass, or write to a farmer and say, "Can you get rid of these beets that are in the middle of the path?" Or fix a bridge, or something like that. But I just went outside with a backpack on every single day and went for sort of a between four and ten mile walk every day. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely brilliant. But I had a, a a bit of an epiphany whilst I was working there um, that. The, the kind of agriculture I was seeing there um, was just horrendous. I, I'd spent four years studying ecology at university, and whilst I was at university, I was going out and seeing the most inspiring ecosystems on the planet basically I, I went to the atlantic rainforest in brazil and i went to the um lichen heaths of suffolk and like these amazing 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 places and then all of a sudden i sort of picked up and dropped into the middle of a field of like corn where you can't see or hear anything because it's been doused in chemicals and all of that kind of stuff and i kind of went right now's the time to uh, step away from this and try and grow some of my own food and I was in an apartment but it was a ground floor apartment and there was like a sort of terrace type thing around the bottom it was completely over covered by the apartment above us <laughs> so it had very little sunshine um, it was mainly builders' as rebel but um, I took to some pots and things like that because it, it was the cheapest way of doing it really and grew as much as I could so loads of tomatoes loads of salads um, a great big pumpkin that trailed over the uh, wall into the pavement be able to walk around it um, and just had had loads of fun with it and felt like I was doing something really small but positive towards not being part of that agriculture system.
0: It's so interesting how we start the more we disconnect from nature, we more, the more we start to see it as a place of leisure, a place uh, to go f- for a walk, a place uh, for some entertainment uh, to take our kids to the park. And the less we realize just the profound connection, it, we are part of it and it's keeping us alive. The profound connections through food there. Um yeah because you' mentioned norfolk um, well, we are just on the border of Norfolk in Cambridge and it's the farming county. yes, those fields and uh lots of lakes are poisoned by the runoff of fertilizers from the fields there's this algae grows, and it's 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 frightening to watch if you know what you're seeing, yeah, that's it and I mean, I was brought up
1: by another ecologist, my mum's an ecologist, and um I was brought up in Devon and Devon's got a very, very different style of agriculture because if you tried to, to do what they do in Cambridge in Devon, you'd have some serious <laughs> problems. Mm. So um, just opposite my house, actually, there's a field that's just really, really steep. So you can't use it for anything else, but they've got a nice flock of mixed cows on it. So um, that's the view from my, my kitchen window. Um, but that's all they can do in that area you can't take a tractor on it because it's too steep so um the type of agriculture is very different and I think having been sort of picked up from Devon and then taken to Norfolk and and almost presented with all these incredible things around the world in my ecology degree I was super lucky you know I got to see some incredible places I spent a year in New Zealand studying island biogeography as well It, it almost did the opposite of you know the the effect of, of staying in a city and never getting to see these places i almost saw too many of these incredible inspiring places and f- almost forgot that that actually a lot of the world like is is really suffering and not being treated with any kind of respect at all so it was a bit of a wake up call then getting out into sort of the quote unquote real world and realizing you know, this is where my food comes from. And I knew that. I knew that that was where my food came from, but I didn't know as well. It didn't, the the two things didn't connect, really connect until that, it it was like literally one day I suddenly hit me.
0: (laughs) So I'm thinking as a parent, this is frightening because we need to know that we can feed our children, that our children will have a future in good sustainable food, uh, this realization, what do they call it? The ecophony? That epiphany. they've kind of yeah. uh, merged them to the ecological epiphany. Oh, e- yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> e- uh, although this is waking up to the reality, before that, I would have driven past uh, those fields and thought, ah. Oh, How wonderful, the great British countryside. uh, We're getting um, the nourishment, the hard-working farmers. Yay! Now, I'm going past and thinking... This is an ecological desert. Those fields, the fertiliser, they've uh, calculated 60 crops that this land can still sustain. And then what? Because it's getting depleted and the change. There is a bit of change, but is there enough? (laughs) Most probably not. What do we do and how do we talk to our kids about that?
1: Yeah, and I think that gardening kind of comes in as a really nice action that children can do that is positive and it's exciting and they can go out for 30 seconds and put three seeds in the ground and feel like they've really achieved something when those seeds come up so it's, it, you know, it catches their short attention spans and it captures their desire to prove themselves and to do something that you're proud of them for. So like um, when my, um, I got to call them my stepchildren, but we're not married, so it's kind of unofficial stepchildren, but when my stepchildren's sunflowers popped up, she was like, oh, wow, look what I've done. Look right. <laughs> It's like, yeah, you know go you that's awesome you know that's really really good um so gardening offers this really really good action that's has all sorts of other benefits as well because obviously kids who are able to eat food from gardens are getting much more nutrients from their food they are getting outside and spending that time connecting with nature and all those things and then i think when you tie that back to climate change and this 60 crops left and all that kind of thing, you're kind of almost a few steps down the road to to coming up with a solution with them already. Mm -hmm. So instead of instilling this fear and paralysis that you can get from just straight up saying, (laughs) by the way, none of us have any idea what's going to happen in about 60 years' time, when everything just runs out and instead we're kind of going here's what we can do and this is why we should do it which is a much much more positive way of doing it and i think my greatest fear really is that we'll get another generation of children who, like the generations before them, um, to use the sort of TikTok vernacular, Gen Z and millennials, um, who are just, like, paralysed with fear. And because of this paralysis, we're not able to do anything positive about it. We just sort of get depression. (laughs) And I'm not trying to knock that because I myself am a millennial who has suffered with depression. But, you know, the way that we were approached about all of these issues it's been like a bombardment for the last nearly 40 years and I really feel like we need to change the way that we talk about it so that our children are more positive and they're just they're not kind of shut down by the fear of it.
0: Oh, hundred hundred percent. My eldest is seven and I've been sort of shielding him from the (laughs) reality of you know? ice caps are melting and the 60 crops and whatnot because they're the generation just like us they're the generation uh, that it's going to live with this every day of their lives so maybe we can buy a few years <laughs> at the beginning to to get on their feet and, um, to yeah. find their emotional resilience first before they have to uh face this but as you're saying starting with a solution there this comes as a bombardment sometimes it's cool too the basically the idea is to shock them into responsibility, yeah. action, but what we often shock them into is defenses, is a shutdown. When yeah. they stop taking in the information, then when they won't take action uh, like a lot of us, like like I am most days, you know it's like staring in the sun when you uh when you think about it a lot, so uh we protect ourselves, our brains put in those emotional protections and starting with a solution,
1: yeah, that's it, I think you know there there are a few. Um, of the younger generation obviously like the the extroverts the Greta Thunbergs of the world who can stand up there and who can shout and speak in really loud voices and who are able to articulate and able to make waves but the rest of us kind of sit there watching this happen and going well still nothing's happening and actually the only way that you can really go out there right now and start making something happen is by changing the way that you are experiencing the world around you and that makes the change happen immediately we can go out there and we can sow some seeds and in six weeks time we can harvest some radishes and we can go right okay that's one less pack of radishes that (laughs) i need to buy this (laughs) this year just little tiny things but you know if in 60 years time, the world goes to hell and a half pipe, which I really hope it doesn't, and everything completely shuts down, the soil of my garden hasn't got 60 crops left. My garden's going to be fine. And my kids will be fine because they know how to grow their own food too. And I mean, none of us want it to get to that point, do we? But at the same time, it gives you that sense of empowerment, really. Um, And I think that was really brought home during the COVID-19 lockdowns when people were going to the shops and seeing no food. And it was like, wow, oh my gosh. Like, it was almost like a little glance through the wormhole to the future um, or to, to sort of worst case scenario, apocalyptic future. And then it did sort of make all the people who use their gardens for something really positive and who who grow their food and who you know have the privilege of having the space to do that as well made them the lucky ones and the the sort of um the heroes as it were i was going around with bags of salad dishing them out to my neighbors leaving them on the doorstep Mm. neighbors would bring me a loaf of bread back that they'd made in their spare time and it was like it was absolutely great And it it really felt really, really empowering. And it makes you realise that, you know, the people who are going to be okay are the people who can do that kind of stuff. And the people who, obviously in that situation, who wouldn't be okay are the people who don't have a single clue where the food comes from and who go to the shops, see no food and go, oh, well, I don't know what to do now. And even just having it just over the space of a few weeks was pretty terrifying and if that starts to happen more and more regularly which you know we had it again yes. recently didn't we with uh, it matters, what cost of living yeah. some yeah something happened in spain i can't really remember what Brexit. happened Just don't pay that much attention to it because yeah that's it we're seeing this more and more now and it's the people who can have these sort of answers who are almost the smug ones the ones with the solutions and I think if we can get more people into growing food, we can get more people feeling positive about the future.
0: What you're saying, if, well, the message I get is maybe s- simply, but put, you putting the attention on connection rather than disconnection. Even if it's like you say with the radishes, just a, so you might buy 100 bags a, a, a year or something, but one bag, the, but you're putting the focus on that connection yeah. rather than disconnection.
1: That's it, exactly. And it's about understanding the benefits that you get from that is not just about having some radishes to eat it's about then not transporting the 20 radishes that you would have bought and wrapping them up in plastic and then having to throw that plastic away because it's not recyclable and then about the fact that those radishes that you've grown, and I'm using radishes as an example because they grow so quickly, it's about those ones that you've grown being really, really nutrient-dense, and the fact that to be able to grow them, you've had to go outside, and you've had to put your hands in the soil, and you've had to experience the benefits of getting out in nature, getting some sunshine, getting some serotonin from putting your hands in the earth, and all this kind of stuff. It's not just... The food that you get from that process and then if you can do it with your kids as well you get this incredible bonding experience with your children as well and and this is like adorable sense of achievement from them which is age appropriate for really young children who you don't want to sit down with and go by the way did you know that the ice caps are melting and you know this this and this is happening and and that's for her, it's not age appropriate for them but if, if you can go out and grow some food, then that's totally great. And then when you can to have those conversations with them, they can go, ah, well, what we can do what is... What we're already doing. Yeah. And they've already got the solutions there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, oh, now I understand why we've been doing this for so long and, you know, why you're so enthusiastic about it.
0: And I love the tip to start with radishes and sunflowers, the big impact fast things, sunflowers maybe a little less fast, that will be, it's still gardening is about patience and hope when we sow uh, in the middle of winter, we sow for what we will harvest in September or August and that is great for children in our more and more fast-paced world. Gardening with children. I I love this. Do you remember, Joe, in Rest Play Grail, one of our favorite books on developmental psychology by Deborah McNamara? There's a story about herself as a little girl who gardened with her garden who was in her granddad's garden and because she wanted she loved him so much and she wanted to do something nice for him she went and picked all the flowers from all his tomatoes and all his cucumbers (laughs) Then she brought him look granddad look at all the flowers i picked and he just barely contained himself to say oh thank (laughs) you debbie (laughs) that's really sweet don't ever do it again because now we won't have any vegetables (laughs) for a while so gardening with young children can be hard as well Uh, i'm the first one to yell off the veg patch and it's, it takes a while to <laughs> train them You know at least not to walk on beds and I've now got a one-year-old so I've, my seven-year-old is al- already knows what to do and more importantly what not to do but I'm starting the whole process again with a one-year-old who just wants to sit in the dirt in the middle of my asparagus patch and trample on them all <laughs> it's challenging and it's important to set expectations there for yourself that's it i think yeah you and i've to got sort of just go. i've got a dog as well which i have to and becky's to got the the a mix. tortoise yeah
1: i've got a dog yeah i've got a dog and a tortoise um so the tortoise is actually the most destructive force in the whole garden really? cause <laughs> you can eat through an entire vegetable patch in a day if it's nice and sunny the dog is pretty bad currently banned from the garden because we've just um we've seen a nice uh, mixed lawn with lots of clover and um vetch and daisies and things like that and he's um not allowed out there <laughs> so he's got some he's got to find somewhere to walk between um between our house and the cow field opposite but he's doing all right at the moment. Um, But yeah, I think you've got to let go of a bit of that perfectionism that is almost ingrained in quite a lot of us and it's made worse by things like social media and stuff like that as well because we see so much perfection everywhere. Um, But it's a really, really nice thing to do to bond with your children, um, providing that they want to do it. And I've always said you let them come to you on these kind of things you offer offer it to them you know would you like to sow some sunflower seeds with me or do you want to grow some radishes do you want to try this bit of kale and each of them have their own different things that they like doing my youngest daughter who's six just really loves putting her hands in soil so she just should just sit there with the compost bag and <laughs> up to her arms and so you ask really? her to fill up some pots ask her to do some potting on she absolutely loves it my eldest stepdaughter really really loves sowing seeds absolutely loves it loves watching them pop up she looks out of her bedroom window and looks out of our bedroom window to see whether she can see them That's popping safe. up in the She's greenhouse
0: been b- um, the
1: bug. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she loves it. And then my youngest stepdaughter kind of comes into the greenhouse. She'll she'll do something very very quickly. It takes twenty seconds, and then she's like, right, I'm done. And then she toddles off again. Um, she's five, and, and that's absolutely fine. My eldest kind of comes out imperiously. She's nine, and it will sort of identify a few like uncommon <laughs> native plants. And then go away again. (laughs) She's like, she has no interest in actually helping or doing anything. But the connection's there because she understands. She's starting to recognise things, which is amazing, really, because I don't really know how she's got that from just being in the same space as me, but never showing any interest in it at all. But I don't want to force it on her because what I want to do is I want to raise adults who will decide to garden with their space who will decide to grow their own food when they're older so i want to show them myself having fun with it more than anything else and what i certainly don't want to do is set up negative associations with the garden of you know me always going come on we've got to go outside and do some jobs come on come and help me because then it just becomes like housework, doesn't it? It's not fun anymore. So I hope that they'll kind of pick it up because they like it and because they've seen me like it. Fingers crossed. Delicious. it. Anyway. And it's delicious, can. yeah. That's it. My uh, eldest stepdaughter, the 7-year-old, she's um stands out there and when we're potting on, she'll just eat all of the rejected microgreens. <laughs> really? Yeah, microgreens. She just munches her way through them. It's brilliant. She tried broccoli seedling the other day. Absolutely horrible, by the way. Broccoli is not a microgreen. You can't you can't eat broccoli But did you, you say to <laughs> Yeah, she, she tried it though. um And hats off to her. She'll try anything. I tried it then after she'd had it, and I was like, wow, well, yeah, no, I, I get why you don't like that. <laughs> it was pretty <laughs> awful, but you know that each of them have their own different connection, so you can't expect all the children to do the same things and I think it's especially hard if you have an eldest child who's really really into it and then you try and project that onto the youngest child or you have a friend whose child is really really into it and so you think well why isn't my kid doing that you know and it's just they're just different aren't they they're all different and as long as you are modelling good behaviour, you're going to have children who know what to do at a later date when they want to circle back to it. Exactly, to it
0: back. might be. I, I know. Uh, to me, the I started gardening as a, as now I realise, as a connection to my childhood because I'm from uh, Crimea, in Ukraine, well now occupied by Russia. But uh, when we were growing up, it was early post-Soviet Union and there was a lot of a lot of neglected orchards we went there as children no supervision and there were just gorgeous pear trees laden with tiny sweet as a this caramel pears really early and it was just our little kingdom the world was edible for me and my parents too They they hike and they forage they forage throughout the year whether it's tiny mountain strawberries or mushrooms or again fruit trees that that are no ones that's that's hardly ever exist in in the uk but that was abundant uh, in Ukraine at the time and the fruit trees just line in streets like apricots and cherries and I'm creating basically this food forest as much as I can in my not such a big garden but it is working and I had a, my toddler now, he was, what, seven months last year, and he, the moment he crawled, he would beeline for the greenhouse and he would go and pick a cherry tomato and he would, like, mash it into the compost and eat it together with the soil. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, it's all good. <laughs> so so it, it's this, the, the world is edible and nurturing and growing them up yeah. and i believe it it's also about this basic trust in the world yeah, yeah totally as you said do, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: i think um even if you don't have any space to garden to even grow anything on a windowsill because even you know i i say to garden you don't actually need a garden you can yes. grow on a balcony you can grow on a windowsill it's all gardening in my mind um, if you are growing something it's gardening but even if you can't do that if you can go outside and you can find some blackberries or you mm. can find an apple Um, growing on a tree or you can find some um, around here we've got loads of wild Wild. blueberries basically anything that you can pull off of a plant and offer to your children Um, i would caveat that with try and make it above dog wee height Um, (laughs) because that's a very important like rule number one of eating wild food But, you know, even just going out in autumn and getting some blackberries off the bush and letting your children just eat it straight up, it nurtures, it fosters that trust in children and it creates those connections between the shop-bought blackberries that come in a packet and where blackberries actually come from. It's interesting because I come across a lot of children who, if we're out on a walk and I pick a couple of wild blueberries or blackberries or something like that, and I say, oh, these are really delicious. Try them. And they're really hesitant to try them. Um, and I remember I,
0: that, but not that long ago. I would yeah. eat something off of like a blackberry and it was it was a bit, what oh, do I eat? Yeah. You know? Are it's you going to drop thing. dead now? And then when it, you yeah, get, yeah when you, it's great when you start. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's it. Well, I mean, we just have this fear, don't we? Of, of Well, it hasn't been processed in some way. So therefore, yes. it can't be right. It can't be something that we can eat and that's so so wrong because actually we should have we should have a fear of the stuff that's been processed what have they put you know what are they putting on it it's actually much much safer to eat food that comes from straight outside providing you know what it is um than it is to eat food off of the shelf in a supermarket and i think we just have to we have to get children to understand and even if it is literally something as simple as did you know you can eat this and there you go and like when I was at school we had a really big field at the school and I used to stand there and and eat little bits from the field and and from the the bushes and try and encourage my friends to do it as well because yeah we're school kids we were all absolutely starving all the time (laughs) and uh, (laughs) we were just even the little bits of grass you know you can eat grass if you pull the stems up and um pull it very gently and it comes out with a little sweet. white tip and you can chew the white mm, tip it's, it's really, really nice yeah um just even things like that to get that going that kind of trust in the world around you when you're a child is just great it's that's what you need to do there's also a lovely little um, flower. I can't remember the name of the flower off the top of my head, but you can pick the flower off and suck the end of the flower and this hit of nectar goes into your mouth. And I used to get all my all my friends to try it when I was at school. So I probably... Um, encouraged a few foragers as a child.
0: <laughs> I still do that. I will go so, to yes. my friend's garden and say, Oh you've got a mahonia, have you made a jam out of the grapes? And yeah. Mahonia. Oh you oh you growing <laughs> dahlias have you tried the tubers yet? And, I, and it they laugh yeah, already and they like look at each other, <laughs> Olga again. But <laughs> And I know gardening makes me a better parent. And not just because I can escape from uh, my family (laughs) for an hour in the garden. (laughs) We'll keep it real. (laughs) I don't know about you, but it is uh, it is a place of rest and play for me. um, That that you know, in the end, it benefits my children because they have a calmer and happier mom. But. What you say about gardening with nature resonates for me a lot uh, in terms of parenting with nature. Yeah. So, and to me, gardening and parenting are very close. uh, In in that, uh, well, gardening is a big metaphor for for growing children from the old times as well. But um, in both gardening and parenting, there's a lot of mythology. There's a lot of things that uh, have been believed to be true for a long, long time. And only now we are approaching with the scientific understanding of what's really happening. But largely, uh, in both gardening and parenting, there is the approach that's based on observation and giving the child or the plant the best possible conditions to do what it's meant to do you thrive and unfold that potential that's in them uh, and there is the approach I see the end result I will tweak you you being my garden my plant my child yeah. until I get you into that shape that I've got in mind for you rather than let you take your own shape that that is in you as a seed you know yeah
1: yeah that's it and I think also similarly there's um the approach of well this is what I've learned that I have to do so that's what I'm going to do and almost you know you read all sorts of parenting books and things like that and I think the first lesson that hits quite a lot of people not all people but quite a few is when you read before you um have a child about birth and all that kind of stuff and then you write a birthing plan and this is exactly the same with writing a garden plan because the first thing that happens when you've after you've written a birthing plan for about 97% of women is that they have to throw it out the window (laughs) and you have to you have to let instinct take over or you have to let the professionals take over and and you know do what's best for you and in your baby and the thing with um giving birth is it's a really like very very sudden thing isn't it and you've got to get the job done and it's got to be done in the next 24 48 62 hours it's got to be done you know um you can't carry on (laughs) stringing it out um and with gardening you can you can carry on stringing it out and many people will carry on trying to fit that square peg into the round hole for many many years and actually what a lot of people need to understand is that their instincts are probably better when it comes to their own gardens than anything else that they've learned and it's important to learn a few things such as the way that soil works because it helps you get the better instincts um but also a few things like how to take cuttings um how to prune those are important things to learn but instinct when it comes to planting and when it comes to sowing seeds growing things is it's really sort of 50 60 percent of it it's just to relax into it and sort of go with what you feel is right because most people's instincts are more accurate than their interpretation of what they've learned and the same is true with parenting because I mean I I read a parenting book when my children were very small and sent me into a total spin I was oh no I'm a terrible parent I'm doing a really bad job because this parenting book has told me that I should be doing this this and this and after about three months of trying to do what the parenting book told me I was like oh do you know what I was a much better parent before I (laughs) read this book because I wasn't panicking all the time and telling myself off and stuff like that I was just relaxing into it and enjoying it and exactly the same with gardening really you know you can read all the books but if you're not enjoying it and you're not relaxing into
0: it you're not getting much from it absolutely and I'm the gardener who will, if the seed's taken too long to germinate, <laughs> big confession time, I will <laughs> I will <laughs> dig in with my finger and see. Oh, and then I'm like, oh, it's actually and growing it in the that. root. Oh, sorry, sorry about that. Back, back, back. I hope I hadn't disturbed it too much. But the... <laughs> I did that about fifteen minutes before we got into recording. Yes, so kind. But the metaphor uh, is the same with parenting. Why is my child not doing what my friend's child is doing? How can we tweak? How can we feed them? And all we're creating is the uh, is the pushback. That that we're just making sure they will. Now that they've realised this is our agenda. Oh wait, this is not just about me and what I'm meant to grow into. This is about you now. Okay, I won't do it. Yeah, what well, yes. you want me to grow into?
1: Yeah, very very similar with gardening. You're gonna get a good old pushback from that as well
0: if you try and do exactly. Something that maybe I've doesn't maybe I've do. already it that. You, <laughs> you know, God forbid, torn that root that the plant was concentrating so hard on growing without showing us any visible results yet, you know, the work was going on. <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, we're, we're all a little bit guilty of that. But you know, it just doesn't matter how long you spend trying to convince yourself to trust nature. We're, we're human. Our, our instinct is to be curious and to question things, and that's probably what's made us so successful as a race, and it's probably going to also be our undoing. Um, But it's not something that we should spend lots of time beating ourselves up over, I don't think. It's not something we can change. It's (laughs) fun, though. And we're
0: meaning makers. (laughs) We take what we see, and we can spin off a whole theory based on it, both in gardening and in uh, grown children or yes, in everything else. and in everything else <laughs> yeah. um, so yes if you're into gardening our listeners I would invite you to uh, check out Becky's Instagram and Facebook so much more because uh, she writes about the science of, of what's actually happening and do I understand correctly that with soil science we're only starting to get a glimpse of what's what's going on there and we have not got the full understanding and, and it's, it's such an exciting sphere of knowledge because of that just like in you know in neuroscience yeah. in psychology we we only it feels like we're only scraping the surface and we're starting to see what's actually going on and when we do we're in awe we don't want to mess with it yeah. Yeah,
1: I think one of the most important things that comes through for me, for both of those things, is that the more you understand that we don't know, the more you know you don't know, the more you trust the natural processes to do it yes. for you. Because you realise that we don't know what we're doing, but nature, our brains, our bodies our gardens they do know what they're doing um, and we should really use them as collaborators rather than as as uh, opposition because <laughs> we won't win if we try and use it suddenly we're opposite.
0: not on our own not <laughs> as parents and not as gardeners even if even if we're we don't have the community to support us even if we are on our own as a single parent for example but that but nature is looking after us and our children I hope. That that brings comfort. I know it does to me. I'm not a single parent. (laughs) Thank you so much, Becky.
1: Thank you for having me. This is so (laughs) special.